This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. Isn't it time you called Red Energy on 131 806 and Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world. Luke Beveridge and I don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. He does not understand the football media. He has no concept of how it is covering football and what sort of job we do. He's a bully in terms of the way he speaks to the media sometimes. I don't think all is well at the Western Bulldogs. The queen in my life, Caroline Wilson, the winner of the Melbourne Press Club Lifetime Achievement Award. Cara, congratulations and what a great night we had. We did have a great night. Just so humbling. It really was. And it's almost shocking and surprising to hear so many people just be so nice about you. Is it just not a a little bit too early? Should the dust not settle? History and good docos and good miniseries rely on distance, a healthy distance and a healthy perspective. And I think if something comes out too soon, it lacks perspective. What were they thinking? She was 14. I mean, I look back to my kids when they were 14. But it was Elvis. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. This is episode 210, and I'm Corey Perkin with my dear friend and, dare I say, the queen for the queen in my life, Caroline Wilson, the winner of the Melbourne Press Club Lifetime Achievement Award on Friday night. Cara, congratulations and what a great night we had. We did have a great night. Thank you, Corrie. It was um, incredibly overwhelming, just so um, humbling. It really was and quite, I was, it's almost shocking and surprising to hear so many people just be so nice about you and you spoke beautifully in that wonderful video that Hugh Nalen and Channel 9 put together, which I had no idea was happening. Um, you know, obviously, Samantha Lane, a long-time colleague. Brendan, my husband, who just almost well, brought a tear to the whole family's eye, really, with what he said. I just was so touched by what he said. And Lethal, Lee Matthews, who I work with every week. So, And then Mike Sheehan got up and made that wonderful speech. And, you know, even, you know, it was, you know, people say... It's been a big week for women in the media and some terrible things have happened. But I sat there that night reflecting on my career and, you know, Jackie Felgate hosting the night, you know, who's an absolute star, you know, probably more than a rising star now, a star in her own right in football and saying that she went into the media, you know, because of me. I just – and then, you know, the um, the Graham Perkin Award um, named for your father in honour of your father was won by Samantha Maiden for her work on Brittany Higgins. You've got to say um, it was certainly not a night where you felt that women in the media were in any way being shunned or shamed or mistreated or in any way discriminated against. Absolutely not. And I I felt that too when I was presenting the Perkin Award because the chairman of the judges is is Michelle Griffin is obviously a female editor at The Age and Gay Alcorn is she announced the winner and she is the editor of The Age. And I thought, gosh, how far we have come, you and I, in our 40-something years of being in journalism. Because back in 1979, when we started as cadets, that was never, ever the case. There were hardly any women. It was such a trip down memory lane. I, my, my sports editor now, after many sports editors, and my first sports editor, Ron Reed, was there as my guest. And I'm so glad he came because it was an experiment, as you recounted, um, when you suggested that there was a woman at, in 
at the Melbourne Herald who would like to work in sport. But, you know, it's taken until Chloe Salto to have a woman sports editor, which is great. But I would like to see more women writing footy in the age because at one stage there were four of us and now at the writers we speak, there's really no one full time. And I think, you know, I mean, obviously I'm still a columnist at the age, but I think that's something we definitely need to address. Yes, and and to nurture among young journalists. Now, uh, speaking of the video, uh, I snuck off from here a couple of weeks ago. You had no idea where I was going. And I was asked to go to Channel 9 to record the little um, message to Caro and words about Caro. And I met your friends in the Channel 9 makeup department. You finally <laughs> met the makeup girls. What a team well, they are. Well, one of our book club has just put the YouTube on, sent it around. And I just sent it to your godson, my son, Will, because he's so he was so interested in your award win. And I said, look, you might just like to hear these lovely things that people have said. And he's just come straight back. You're looking great, Mum. And I've got, you know, thank, thank you, Channel 9. <laughs> thank you, Channel 9 Makeup Department. Caro, the GLT from um, your girls, who are now my new best friends, is if you have, if you are fair, everybody, and you have, or any, whether you're not, but if you want to um, do something with your eyebrows and you haven't actually been to the beautician to have them dyed or whatever, brown mascara, and then you, it's it's less, um, it's less uh, harsh than a eyebrow pencil, and you just put a bit up on your fluffy bits, and then you just, you know. I'm doing. I'm, what am I doing here? Could have told you, Doctor Dog. I mean, you know. The... <laughs> what a great tip! I've that, been doing it ever since. I left Channel Nine yep. and I went straight to the chemist. I bought some brown because mascara. It, it looks more natural. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like brow hairs yeah. rather than a pencil, Black. which exactly. doesn't. Which yeah. you meant to do in little tiny dots. Dots or and then anyway. rub it in, which is to anyway. I'm sorry, I've taken away from your glory, but I had to pass on that GLT. Not at all. And you know, my only regret, the one person I forgot to thank. And it was so important, and he, and he would have been there if he hadn't been on a plane covering footy, was Jared Healy. Because, you know, he's been my friend since 1981, since he was a young Melbourne footballer, young star forward at Melbourne. Um, I covered him. We were in Ireland together, that famous footy tour of Ireland back in 1984. He, he was the one who made everyone else make me welcome on a bus full of men, and some pretty disgusting things were being said there, I can assure you. But Jared really um, stood up then for I don't know why he just it, it wasn't it's not that Jared is a huge fighter for women's rights he just always treated me like any other footy journo and I always appreciated that and then we worked together of course for many years on sports day we still work together so but apart from that you know having the whole family there except for Rose who's in Amsterdam was just well, as, as you said in your speech, to be lucky enough to have a Lifetime Achievement Award in, in your profession and have your mother and father there at the table is pretty special. It was. It was, particularly because they've played such a big role in my career, as have you. Anyway, enough about me. Yes. So, Caro, there's lots of uh, there's lots of things to talk about today and we will be getting to them, but we have a bit of housekeeping. First of all, uh, everybody, don't forget our um, wonderful sponsors, Red Energy, most satisfied customers 12 years in a row, and also thank you to Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wines in the world. Just visit princewinestore.com.au. And Miles, of course, will be in a little later. We're talking whiskey today, Caro. And a, re- a reminder that the Dear Caro and Corrie bonus episode we launched this week as a separate episode. So if you want to send us your modern dilemma or your problems, your issues, or just a, a, curi- a curious 
something of a curious nature where you would like Carol and I to, to stick our beaks in, we're very happy to. Just email us, feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Carol, we have our live event, a reminder to everyone, Thursday, May the 5th. It's our very special Mother's Day event. We are hosting this. We're going back to Bell's Hotel in South Melbourne. For those who joined us in December 2019, they will remember what a great night we had there. The event kicks off 5.30 to 7.30. You and I will be there with lots of our friends and regulars and a great show lined up and a couple We've of special We've already started guests. selling tickets. Well, that's great. I met some people who bought tickets the other day. Oh, my gosh. I know. We're popular. I know. I <laughs> so, know. So uh, to, to remind everybody that if they want to join uh, the event, you do have to buy a ticket and all the details and the links are in our show notes. And, of course, we are supporting Breast Cancer Network Australia, as we always do with our Mother's Day things. And then, of course, footy chipping is There'll back. Be some, oh, we should say special guests are going to be popping in, aren't I they? I think I did say that. Oh, did you? you sorry. Were listening. I'm sorry. You were, I'm sorry. You were, you're, you're still floating on a cloud. Um, but footy chipping is back, everybody. Uh, jump on board the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast competition. You can still join in. Uh, it, just go on to tipping dot uh, onto that website and you will find us. Now, Caro, any uh, apologies, housekeeping, anything else that we need to mention that I have forgotten? Well, I need to make an apology, Corrie. Uh, it, look, it's a, it's not really an apology, and it's not, I suppose it's a clarification. When I talked about the Gilded Age, or we both talked about the Gilded Age last week. I talked about Louisa Jacobson and, you know, saying I'd seen her around, but, you know, this was a big new role and wasn't she amazing? I neglected to mention and, in fact, completely forgot that she's Meryl Streep's daughter. Oh, my goodness. I know. I didn't know that. I know. I know. That's well, actually an amazing fact. Well, you can imagine <laughs> You can imagine daughter Rose straight back at me. I can't believe you didn't re- realise because she's obviously Louisa Jacobson Gummer and Meryl Streep's other daughter is also an actor and we've seen her in several things, but I just sort of hadn't realised that she was, um, you know, Grace Gummer is another, we've seen yeah. her in quite a few things. So she's Louisa Jacobson Gummer. And when you look at her, you go, oh, yeah, of course. Wow. Well, there was a look about her, wasn't it? Well, and, and just a, a sense of, of uh, you know how Meryl has that thing with the camera. She has an absolute love affair with the camera and knows exactly always where it is and has such a sense of, of cinematography herself. I think this is innate and I think it must be something that her daughters have inherited. So that is an amazing fact. So, Caro, before we jump on to uh, more important issues, let's just um, pick up a couple of emails. Lots of and lots of love for you and congratulations from all our potties via the Don't Shoot Pod Instagram account. So I don't know whether you've tuned in to see those, but everybody is very excited there. Sarah Hay via email um, was referring to my, uh, my an issue I raised the other day of stained golf shirts and stained <laughs> golf hats. How do you get the sweat out? She said, I picked up I picked up my ears listening to Kara's conversation. I think she meant Corey, I'm not sure. As I had the very same discussion last week on the golf course, a golfing friend of Barwon Heads, who is also a great laundress, recommended her magical remedy, and it works. Make a paste with equal quantities of laundry liquid or powder and vanish or nappy sand, then soak your shirts in plenty of warm water. The vanish whitens, the washing powder cleans. If the fabric is pure cotton, you can add bleach. 
This is unlikely with golf shirts, I agree, because they're usually polyps. They've got some sort of man-made substance in them. And she goes, happy whitening. Love, Sarah. Sarah, thank you very much for that um, great tip. I will use that. I will certainly pass it on to my friend Hilary, who was um, complaining about that very topic. I'm sure it's an issue for tennis players as well, and not yes. only golfers. Oh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. But... Um, I think that's a that's a really great tip, and I will use it now. Caro, it has been you mentioned women in the media and um, how far we've come, but we were reminded on the weekend how far perhaps we haven't come with the Tom Morris affair. Tom Morris, of course, is the former Foxtel reporter. He was stood down. Um, he went from being attacked by Luke Beveridge on uh, after the Wednesday night match to becoming the attacker, and then he was sacked in just two days. So it was a very big. Uh, big couple of days for Tom Morris. Can you give us a bit of background? Who is Tom Morris and his reporting career up to the Wednesday night match when Luke Beveridge had a four-minute crack at him and his role at Foxtel? Well, he's a, he's a reporter at Fox Footy and um, he sat on the couch as part of that panel as a newsbreaker on the couch on Fox Footy. I worked with him for several years at 3AW. He appeared with us on Sports Day doing the news, um, breaking news basically on Jared Healy, with Jared Healy um, on Sports Day. He and Dwayne Russell, when they were together, he is 30. He, I've known him for a long time. I know his family very well because um, his father, Tim, wonderful man, was a teacher in charge of athletics where my son went to school. Tom was a year above my son. I mean, I've, I've, I've and, and Tom's sister went to school with one of my daughters. So I know them very well and I was pretty shocked by the comments that Tom made. Um, I suppose, Corrie, the point should be made that they, they were shocking what he said, but it was just such an enormous pity for everyone involved that one of his idiot mates, and they are a bunch of idiots, including Tom, for making the comments that he did, and it's just so awful to think that men still talk about that, even if they've, they're trying to show off or be one of the boys or whatever. And I say boys, but, you know, Tom's 30, so he can't really use his age as an excuse. It, it, it's shattering that somebody chose to send it to someone else who chose to leak it. Why did they leak it on Thursday? Did they do it because they didn't like Tom being... Um, you know, having that starring role, you know, after he'd been attacked by Luke Beveridge, well, the Bulldogs we, coach. Let's go but back. One, can one we more go, thing yeah, about sorry. Tom. He was a real journo on the rise, like probably the best young journo or one of the best three with um, Sam McClure and Mitch Cleary going around. He broke the Adelaide camp story. He broke the story of Stephen Cornelio being dropped. The club denied it. He was forced to apologise. Cornelio, the GWS captain last year, was dropped later on. He's broken some big selection stories. He's broken a lot of big footy stories. So there's no doubting that he's a very good journo. And he punches on and has broken stories about the Melbourne Football Club, Stephen May being out drinking, you know, even though he's a Melbourne supporter. And he was accused of a conflict of interest on the Wednesday night by the Bulldogs coach because he barracked for Melbourne and he'd broken a selection story about the Bulldogs. Crazy stuff. Well, I want to go back to that, Caro, because bizarrely Greg Johnson in the West Australian said it was the press conference that shook Australian football. Not quite, Greg, <laughs> but it was interesting. So this was the post-match. It did give after- it a shake. Up. It, it was did. it was after the 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 replay of the 2021 grand final. It was the first match of the season between Melbourne and Footscray, and uh, the Bulldogs were beaten uh, pretty convincingly. And Luke Beveridge, the Bulldogs coach, not happy, of course, as you can imagine, but he absolutely took 
uh, took Tom Morris to task in an absolute tirade. He said, your gutter journalism is killing us. He referred to it as muckraking trash, which I think was unfair because it was actually truth that Tom had been reporting in Tom's defence. And a selection story is not muckraking. And it's he said not, he lacked integrity. That's right. And and so I wondered what your thoughts were when you first saw and heard about that media conference. Oh, I was disgusted. I was disgusted. Were and, you tempted um, to go in and bat publicly for Tom at that well, stage? Well, I did. I went on Neil Mitchell. Neil Mitchell rang me the next morning and asked me to come on and talk about it. Not so much going to bat for Tom. He didn't need anyone going into bat for him at that stage because he'd been completely vindicated. I mean, it would be a journalist's dream to have a coach sit there and say, you're praying on my football club and, you know, you're tearing us apart or whatever he said. It's actually mean, part of your job. You'd actually be going and, and then, and then oh, try I've, and... I've achieved my KPIs. And, and then to have the coach... Um, try and record, throw you out. Well, but, and, but then we must say Luke Beveridge did apologise in a recorded um, apology. Mm, yeah. Caro, not convinced. Well... Luke Beveridge and I don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. He does not understand the football media. He has no concept of how it is covering football and what sort of job we do. He he used the mental health line um, where the player, I don't know whether he was referring to Lockie Hunter, the player who was about to be dropped. I don't know how you could in any way. I mean, he attacked a col- another colleague of mine, Kane Corns, last year over some comments about um, the midfielder, Adam Trelaw, and yet the comments he made about Kane, you would sort of wonder if he had any regard for the commentator's mental health with the comments he made. You know, he referenced Kane's family and he's a bully, I think, in terms of the way he speaks to the media sometimes. I don't think all is well at the Western Bulldogs. I think the club in their statement made it clear they needed to help him and give him help and support. I think that he should have been made... There was a contribution to charity, to one of the Bulldogs community charities, um, as part of the penance, $20,000. I think Luke should have paid it, not the club. Um, I'm told that Kylie Watson-Wheeler, who's been on this show, you know, a high-performing professional executive in her own right, head of Disney... You know, I'm told she was horrified by what Luke did. You know, she's obviously too wrapping her arms around him, as we say in footy. Do you and think? Do you think Luke is protected? Do you think cl- people, I think the, people I think at the, the club, club are rather nervous about him because he is seen as this super terrific coach and he's won a premiership? Clubs they're, they're, they pussyfoot around him. Clubs and coaches play life very close to the edge, and. They, I mean, Damien Hardwick did some things in Richmond's last premiership year, made some comments towards people about other coaches, about other comment, about commentators, and Richmond, you know, never really lambasted him for it because they knew that he was at his best when he behaved like that. And they let it go through to the keeper. It's a bit different when you're not winning, but they let it go through to the keeper. And Bulldogs do the same with Luke Beveridge. They love the way. And I know what's going to happen on Footy Classified this week. Guys like Matthew Lloyd, who I really respect, are going to say, I love it when coaches stick up for their players. But uh, there are people in the media who are getting a bit sick of this overstepping the mark. And unfortunately, what Tom did was revealed to have done later has muddied the waters. But it shouldn't have muddied the waters. And Luke Beveridge needs to lift his game in so many ways in the way he represents that football club. And I'm going to be really interested to see what he does. I mean, it was only round one, Corey. Well, he well, lost his wick in round one. Well, Carol, there is a sense, isn't it, sometimes when you've had success upon success that you are invincible. It's not just in sport. It's in all parts of life. But, but you say that your colleagues, your football colleagues, may say they love it when a coach sticks up for a player. 
coaches also have to think about everybody else out there, stakeholders such as sponsors, such as the board. Um, and you mentioned Kylie being absolutely uh, um, unimpressed by Luke's uh, tirade. You've got, you've got to actually think, you know, I'm kind of like a CEO of an organisation here. I have to be a bit more responsible in what I say publicly. Oh, well, I don't think um, Luke would understand that at all. The club would say he would think his only responsibility. I mean, obviously, he's got to get on with the board. And the board obviously love him. I mean, he took them to their first flag in more than half a century, way over half a century. He then has got them back to the point, you know, they played in a grand final last year and, and could have won it. And, you know... This is how he responds to a loss in round one and a selection story that was ultimately right. He's paranoid because they're also control freaks coaches. And I spoke on Friday night when I accepted the award about how much more pleasant it was in the days when there were no media managers. And you rang coaches up direct. And I still ring some coaches direct, not Luke Beveridge, and talk to them. And they, they, you know, they give you an honest assessment and you – and you sort of reveal it in a way that I hope is respectful and, you know, you say, you don't deliver everything they tell you if they ask you not to, but you get an idea of what's going on. And that helps everyone, including supporters and stakeholders and all the other you know, sponsors, etc. But he is one of those coaches who is such a control freak. You know, I don't think it was very pleasant being at the club. If you were covering the Bulldogs over summer, really hard to get into training. Most of the training sessions were closed. The captain, Marcus Bontempelli, didn't want to turn up at captain's day because it was so close to a game. Club says that wasn't Luke. But Hawthorne, there was a bit of this when Clarko was at his best at Hawthorne. And because they were winning flags, they get away with it. And there's a little bit, so it sounds like a little bit of anxiety. I'm glad we've separated out these two issues because... I, I did want to talk to you first thing Thursday morning about uh, about that press conference. And now, of course, as you said, it has been kind of thrown in the same bag as the Tom Morris affair. Just on the Tom, just on Tom Morris's comments and being stood down, I did note that Megan Barnard, the journalist uh, about whom Tom and his friends had been communicating. Making disgusting comments about. Well, yes. She has thanked everyone who reached out to her since the comments were made by Tom Morris in a lovely heartfelt message and we will actually be including that message for those who haven't seen it on our show notes. So basically in her statement, Corrie, she says that had this happened a few years ago, it would have been devastating and shattering for her. She's being well looked after by her network. I mean, the biggest story about this really, the most fascinating thing is that Tom Morris was sacked within a day, which you don't see that happen very often. You wouldn't have seen it happen 10 years ago. Kelly Underwood wrote an impassioned column um, under the code paywall, which um, I actually read yesterday. I worked with Kelly on Offsiders on Sunday. Kelly spoke about her first meeting with Megan and Megan asking about where she lived and Kelly thinking twice about revealing her her own sexuality or worried, as always, about whether it would affect her career and deciding to open up to Megan. So they've had a connection ever since. I mean, this is, you know, Fox Footy is a stakeholder of the AFL. Their mandate, Fox Sports overall, has been to bring more women into their NRL coverage, which they had already started doing, and they're doing a great job now with AFL. But they're a stakeholder of the AFL. They televise AFLW, where a lot of the players are gay. And, you know, those, all of those people, all of those 
this big part of this growing part of the AFL family would have heard those comments. And I thought it was the comments about Megan that offended me much more than the almost ironic, stupid, terrible, but probably not sackable comment about, you know, when he says, I'm not gay, I'm not Asian, I'm not a woman, so don't treat me like shit. You know, I mean, dreadful, but probably the ones about Megan were the ones that probably forced Foxtel's hand, Foxfooty's hand. And I, I think they had to think about all the other people now who are part of their family. And I, and I think that's a really positive thing for mm. the game and for all of us, really, don't you? I do too. And, and as you said, Tom Morris is not a young reporter. He is 30 and he knows the consequences of his actions. And if he and his friends or whoever it was that he sent these messages to uh, feel this particular way about women, then I don't know where we come back from them with that particular group. But the fact that Tom's career, journalism career is now in tatters is interesting because, as you said earlier, he is, has been a crack reporter and it would be devastating to see uh, a great career ruined because of this if he shows, if he shows contrition and if he shows uh, a willingness to learn, a real open-heartedness to learn and is mentored through this. We've seen people come back such as Wayne Carey from, from the, the lowest of low and and resume their careers and and show that they have learnt from the by the errors of their ways. I would hope but some people still squirm when they see Wayne Carey on Channel Seven. I must say I do. And well, I do. And and you know, t- Taylor Walker last year making those racist comments about a young Sandful player and and teammate really sort of. Well. It's something that devastated his Indigenous teammates. You know, I wondered whether he would ever come back from that. And he's playing in round three. So, you know, if if, if people are going to support you enough and you're contrite enough, you can come back yeah. from that. You know what I would do? What I would do is if I was editor of, say, The Age or The Guardian or something, I would say to Tom Morris, we'll give you a job at the end of this. We'll give you a job in six months or a year's time. But we... You must commit to, to doing this, whatever this is, a re-education or, an, you know, whatever sort of empathetic course that he might do or, or whatever it is. And then he has to, to kind of prove himself that he has learnt and he is a changed person. And, uh, and, and then at the end of that, you give him a job because he's a crack reporter, as you said. Well, I think you make that decision... You make the decision you, you, at the end of it. You've got to put a bit of space between that. And um, there are a lot of people who are going to have to be appeased and convinced that... Um, He's learnt, and he, I mean, he has put out a statement saying he's deeply ashamed. But when you read some of the Instagram comments that accompany that, there are a lot of idiots and horrible misogynists around him who wonder what all the fuss is about. One small thing, I think the people around him will include his family. It's obviously a devastating time for his family. And I don't think Tim will mind me saying this. After Sam Newman did that horrible mannequin incident all those years ago, among the letters I received of massive support was from Tim Morris, Tom's father. And Tom was would have been still at school at the time, I think. And I didn't even know Tom. I always remember what a lovely letter he wrote. And I wasn't he wasn't someone I knew well. I dealt with him, you know, in the sort of school parent teacher type relationship. But it was so supportive and so lovely and so well written. I've always remembered and I've always kept it. I mean, it was an actual letter, you know, posted to me. So um Well let let's hope. Let's hope uh, let's hope Um, some good can come out of this. Caro, we're going to have a whiskey now with Miles from Prince Wine Store. (laughs) 
Miles, it's great to have you back in the studio after your trip. How's the jet lag? Have you recovered? Uh, I'm close. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to gradually get better and better. I'm not as tired during during the afternoon, so that's good. That's well, what I find. I was like four, four o'clock, five o'clock, I was nearly falling asleep, and seven o'clock on the couch, I pretty much was falling asleep. Well, there are about <laughs> 20 million Australians who'd be loving to have your problem I because know. none of us have travelled, and you're very lucky to have gone, as you said last week. But what a, what a great trip for you. Amazing. So, um, Caro Miles Thompson, of course, is with us, Prince Wine Store. Don't forget, everybody, princewinestore.com.au. And we are talking whiskey, which is absolutely my favourite. Oh, uh, awesome. Apart from wine. Uh, and gin. It, yeah, well, no, I, I, I prefer whiskey to gin, I have to say. So I'm very interested to hear what you've brought in today. Uh, so I have brought in one of what's called the Firkin whiskeys. Rhymes um, with Perkin. That's right. That's right. I never even thought about that. There you it must go. have been in my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a gentleman called Mike Collings. Um, he used to be, a, I understand, a, a whiskey importer. So he used to import whiskies to Australia. So there's a credible sort of whiskey mind and, and is really, really sort of into the subject. And what he's done is he's bought these special bottling. So he goes along to the different single malt distilleries and picks um, the best sort of barrels or certain barrels or gets them to finish them in certain casks under sort of his supervision and then bottles those. So they're these really special bottling. So there's a bunch of people who do it. But he's one of these like independent bottlers, as they're called. So Gordon McPhail is a really big one that you might see around. And does he, he would does he have his, his own premise, or he? No, he... no. So he he goes over there. He'll go to say. Um, so the one that I've got here too is um, made at um, who's this one? Ben Ryan's Distillery. So he'll go to the Ben Ryan's Distillery. He'll look at the casks. He'll find stuff that he likes in certain barrels, and he'll buy basically buy the barrels from them, the single barrels, either age them longer or get them to finish them in another cask or whatever he might do, and then he bottles them, and then he sells them. But they're fantastic. They're they're a little bit. They're all. I mean, he's a real sort of whiskey nut, so he's got some really interesting bottlings. There's quite a bit in the range, but I I sort of picked the sort of staff favourite, which is. So what is so what is the overarching brand called? So Firkin is the brand. That's the brand. Yeah, okay. that's right. And that's F U R. No, it's F I R K I N. Oh, as in Perkin. F I R K I N. Firkin whiskey. The Firkin whiskey company. Like it's Firkin good. I <laughs> think is kind of where we're going with that. Where it goes with that. But I can't say. <laughs> it's that's a beautiful. True or not. So this is a beautiful box that this comes in. Yeah, they all come boxed, which is which is wonderful. But they're really fantastic whiskies. We we sort of struggled to pick a favourite when when. These were initially shown to us, but this one's a Madeira finish, so it's finished off. If everyone knows, Madeira is a is a, a type of sweet wine that that's made in in the, on the island of Madeira, um, and it's got this lovely sort of fresh zinginess as well as this kind of sweetness to it, and it kind of brings it to the whiskey as well. So it brings this lovely kind of lemony, zesty, kind of sweet little edge to, to, to the your normal sort of, I guess, whiskey sort of flavours, but in a really sort of fresh style. For this sort of time of year, I think it's a nice whiskey because it's not as, it's not a big peated whiskey. It's not a big sort of Which you'd have heavy it, have it oaked whiskey. nine degrees, at, like my brother Correct. brought out when we were playing golf one day and it was so cold and Perfect. he just happened to have a whiskey flask in his Why golf not? bag, which was quite handy. I think it's very handy. Uh, Miles, with this particular one, mm-hmm. do, you, do you still get that nice back of the throat uh, the burn, kind of, yeah, the burn. Yeah, they're pretty smooth, but you definitely still get it. They're they're up there. So, and it, tell it has, me, with with whiskey, do mm. you prefer ice or water or soda? What? Do you, how do you like to have it? I rarely do any of those. <laughs> I don't drink a lot of whiskey. 
I always like to see it sort of in its pure form. Maybe for some of those, you know, car strength, those really high alcohols, I might put a little drop of water in to, to sort of just what they talk about, breaking the tension a little bit, just take off that burn a little bit. I quite like car strength whiskies though. There's, I mean, they're quite high ABV, you know, 56%, things like that. That's why They've my, done really well. That's why my golf game improves. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you've got to relax to play golf. <laughs> it's a, so, Miles, playing it, golf is like an oxymoron. You kind of... <laughs> well, you're so stressed, so, so a little nip of whiskey helps. Absolutely. So, Miles, this particular one mm. is part of our offer today that Prince is offering our messengers. Tell us about the price and what to look for on the website. So it's 175 um, so it's not... I've just fallen off my chair. <laughs> I'll just gather myself. But in the realms of these styles of whiskey and the story behind it, the, the sort of, you know, these independent bottlings, it's, I think it's relatively cheap considering um, it, it'll go up against, you know, I think the best sort of bottlings in the world. We have another one I think we've talked about too called Tam Navul and um, we might have talked about it on the show before, but I'll also put that on the website because that's $70 a bottle. It's a single malt, it's a double cask, so it's sherry wood and American oak. And it's probably one of the best value single malt whiskies in the market, I think. And that's Tam Naval and well, that's, that's seventy dollars. Well that's kind of you to offer both of them at so a discount. So I'll offer both price. and I'll put them both up there. That's um, great. So if you want something a bit more sort of premium and really specky. Those Firkins. And we have the full range of Firkins too, so I might put the full range up there. I was very excited. They are fantastic. They I was very excited. Really well, awesome. I think everybody should give it a whirl. And yeah. and 175, you know, for for a whiskey loving friend or family member, absolutely, it's a lovely gift, isn't it? Particularly around Father's Day. I'm yeah. thinking of men there, but lots of women love whiskey as well. Uh, Miles, I was really excited to see on the princewinestore.com.au website mm-hmm. a big photo of Carol and I were there. So well, now there there's go. a really lovely link you can press on that and, and then easy. messengers can go into yeah. all of the wonderful specials that Miles and the gang at Prince offer us. Thank you, Miles, for coming in today with your whiskey. And uh, don't forget, everybody, jump on to princewinestore.com.au to receive that listener discount. You just type in the promo code MESS, M-E-S-S, for Messenger, at the checkout online, and you will receive the wonderful, generous discount. See you next week, Miles. See you then. Caro, now we're off to BSF. Books, screen and food brought to us each week by our friends at Red Energy. And you have a book that you're going to kick us off with. I do, Corrie. Um, the ultimate easy read, I have to admit. The ultimate sort of, you're feeling a bit tired, maybe a little bit hungover, maybe a bit tired from the week. Maybe you <laughs> maybe, just... maybe because you're a Lifetime Achievement Award maybe... winner and you've had one too many <laughs> champagnes. My cousin Georgie used to say it was curling up by the fire on Sundays and reading Ballet Shoes by Noel Stretfield. Well, this isn't quite of the calibre of Ballet Shoes, but I've started, I've delved into the um, the Mitford series, which is um, one that's been written by the English author Jessica Fellows. Daughter of? Julian, who we love. I found this in a bookshop in... Um, I cannot believe, can I just say, no offence to Jessica, but I cannot believe that you've come off the weekend that you've had. I know. And, <laughs> and you're reading The Midford Vanishing by Jessica Fell. Look, <laughs> I found it in a bookshop in Utrecht. I was, um, you know, obviously some months ago when I was away, I thought I didn't know that, you know, there was a series about the Midford sisters, a little bit like um, the Josephine Tay series, the Josephine yes. Tay mysteries. Yes. So... Th- They've basically fictionalised the Mitford sisters, and there was also that's the one about this uh, um, set in uh, Pemberley. 
yeah, uh, Death uh, in pr- Pemberley. Yeah, Pride and Prejudice. Or Death Returns to Pemberley <laughs> or something like that. Yes, that's right. I read them all and love them. This one is um, basically um, naughty. I think, it, is it Jessica, um, the one who, who she runs away to the Spanish Civil War? Yes. Decker, I think. Or, or Uni- Unity. No, yeah. Unity went to Hitler. Yes, Decker. Yes, no. Well, there was a little hints of that, but nothing. Anyway, basically... Um, it involves a Mitford nanny, a Mitford maid who is no longer maid to the Mitfords. She's married and got a baby. And she and her husband, former policeman, have set up a detective agency. And she is called upon by, you know, what's his name? Far, you know, grumpy old um, Far and um, Lady, what's her name? Because one of the Mitford girls has gone missing. So she's summoned to the house. It's their first case, basically. And they find themselves having to go to some seedy part of France where a lot of people are getting a boat to go over to Spain to fight in the Spanish Civil War. That's the sort of premise for the mystery. Um, <laughs> now, you might laugh, Corrie. I found it really interesting. I really enjoyed it. It was a really easy read. You can read it in a few days. I'm sorry. I'm collecting lint from my navel at this point. Corrie. Yeah, keep going. You may laugh, Corrie. This this would have walked off the shelves at your bookshop. It actually and, didn't, but go on. Well, anyway, that I, I, I can thoroughly recommend it. It involves a murder. It involves, obviously, a real family. The characterisations of the Mitfords themselves are really interesting, probably a bit once over lightly, if the truth be told. But it's a time, you know, 1930s England, 1930s France, 1930s Spain. Really interesting. She's written a few, actually. She has, she has, she's a pretty good writer. So where would um, where would the Mitford vanishing stand against a Franny Fisher murder mystery? Oh, I reckon Franny's got a bit more depth to it. Although the mystery actually becomes quite... The, the story actually takes a few twists and turns and you actually can't put it down. You actually can't put it down. Oh, well, a good book will do that. So, OK, that's all right. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll give you a little tick for that one. Uh, you're on a roll and you've watched a movie on the weekend. I don't know how you fit everything and I don't know how you compartmentalise your life, Carolyn um, Wilson. What was the movie? Well, Corrie, I, I was going to go to the movies and see um, that film Off the Rails that um, featured in the British Film Festival late last year. Judy Dench plays a small role. It's de- dedicated to Kelly Preston, who died soon after the movie was made. We're we gonna have, go we and have ha- a diary date, though, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we're going to go and have to see that together because... Um, I didn't go and see it. I was too tired. I decided, I was reading um, the film reviews in the weekend papers and they gave three stars to Deep Water, which is a new film on Prime Amazon, which obviously I'm primed for at the moment because I'm watching The Gilded Age, caught up with The Gilded Age. Um, So I've watched all eight episodes that have come out on that. Deep Water is directed by Adrian Lin and he's done, all his films seem to involve... There's a lot of films about violence and um, in connection with sexuality. He did Nine and a Half Weeks. I think he even did, um, you know, the Bunny Boiler one with Glenn Close. Oh. Uh, Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. Um, Th- 40 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Caro, you're bearing the lead here about who the actor is because I'm ben not Affleck a fan. Ben Affleck stars in mm-hmm. it. I'm not a fan. Well, I've got to say, and Anna de Armas plays Ben Affleck's wife. This is a couple with a very unusual relationship. It's actually... She's much younger than him. Yeah, well, 
yes, she is much younger than him in the film too. Um, it's based on a novel by Patricia Highsmith, who of course did The Talented Mr Ripley and lots of other books. It was set in the 50s in a sort of a, a smaller American town. It's been, it's still in a small American town, but a, among a very, you know, boozy social sort of set of middle, young to middle-aged people. Um, basically, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck has made a lot of money with a drone that um, could be used for good, but isn't. So he's pretty much semi-retired and just rides his bike and looks after their beautiful little daughter. This is a creepy, nasty, upsetting film, and. For the first time, I think, in all the years I've been reviewing films on BSF, I cannot recommend it. <laughs> it really upset me. I tell you me. what, Rotten Tomatoes, when you said you wanted to talk about this, I looked up my favourite Rotten Tomatoes and they just canned it. So well, I was wondering, were you stars. going to come out and say it was fantastic? It got three stars in the Australian. I'm not surprised. It has Ben Affleck in it. No, but three stars is quite good. Yes, that, I know. That's better oh, no, than I mean, average. I'm not surprised you don't like so, it. So I thought, um, it, look, it had a pretty good cast. Ben Affleck is not a very good actor. Oh, he's hit and miss. He, he's been good in certain films. I mean, I've seen him oh, give... Pearl Harbour. Oh, oh but, well, that was, Corey, that, oh, that was his absolute worst. Um, it's got that um, very good can actor, I just say Tracy person, Letts, in it. Can he's, I say that the little voice chortling here is, is Eddie today because Miss Jane, unfortunately, is not... Well, she's with us in spirit and down the line, but Eddie is working the panel today and he keeps giggling at the things that we're saying. So if people hear a man voice, it's not Jane with a... COVID throat or anything. It's Eddie. Thank you for joining us today, Ed. It's great to see you. <laughs> just to, just He's to finish. He's also not a fan of Ben Affleck. Just, oh, look, honestly, just to finish, you know, this is just, um, there's a, there's a, well, not a lot of sex in the film, but they, these two have a very, look, she, basically the wife has affairs with every young man that comes into town and you cannot work out why he stays married to her or she's married to him. You go, Does he watch? No, but he gets off on it in other ways. Oh, okay. And, um, just and, just and very so early tough. on, he says to a potential news suitor at a party, because um, one of her previous blokes has gone missing, and he says, oh, I killed him. And you go, oh, this is an interesting sort of thing to say. Um, so is the whole film based on solving a mystery that, you know, is, is there in front of our very eyes, or is it something a little bit more... And it, the way it goes on and unravels is, oh, look, it's it's really it's really odd. It's a very odd. It's just a nasty. It's a mean spirited film. Okay, great. Well, we won't be going to see. The, that. I'm just trying to find to a film he was again, good at. Please. He was good in Goodwill Hunting, and he was great in The Town. I never saw The Town. He, that was a really good film. That's about the best Ben Affleck can do. This is just. Um, Adrian Lynn has made some very big Hollywood films. This, as I say, got some pretty good reviews. The only interesting parts of the film, you could say, are the dresses she wears, which are amazing. But she is not convincing either. The little girl does this creepy sort of scene in the back seat of the car where she sings along to You Make Me Feel Like Dancing. And people say what an amazing up-and-coming little actress she is. But I found her a bit creepy as well. And she's almost complicit in the whole thing. Oh, no, I'd give it a miss. Sorry, okay. you're going to cheer me up with a nice recipe, though. Yeah, so that's a big miss for Deep Water. Uh, Caro- Not to be confused with the miniseries with Noah Taylor that came out about five years ago. Okay. Now, the recipe. So I was playing golf last, last Thursday and we reached, I don't know, the 11th or 12th hole and you start to 
you start to feel a bit hungry and a bit tired. And one of my my um, the, the people I was playing with, Lizzie, produced from her golf bag a tiny little Tupperware, and inside the container were the most delicious date and almond balls. And we all had one. In fact, I won't say who had two. Uh, we had it, it was just exactly what we needed, and I thought, what a terrific recipe to give to our potties, particularly potties who might have kids or grandkids and want to give them something that is reasonably healthy. So I'm calling this Liz's Date and Almond Balls, and the recipe makes about twelve balls. And Miss Jane, when she returns to the studio, will put these on our show notes. But Liz does say she usually makes a double batch as they freeze well and they keep for quite a while in the fridge. And so what we have is dried pitted dates, whole almonds, desiccated coconut, a little bit of vanilla extract and a tiny teaspoon of salt. And and then, of course, you roll them into a ball and then extra desiccated coconut for the outside. He's turning his lip up here, rather giving it the thumbs down. <laughs> he doesn't look... I think it sounds delicious, Eddie. Yes, Eddie, come on. <laughs> now, listen, this will be your first and last week with us if you don't. So, now, Lizzie makes a note here. Don't forget to soak the dates first. She buys medjool dates, which are delicious. And she says the double quantity makes 26 balls and it's roughly around 28 grams per ball. She does point out, and I know this from making my date and almond torte, chocolate torte, which you've had before, the food processor struggles to cope with all the ingredients. So it's best to blend the dry ingredients first before you put the others in. Um, and, and I'll have all the directions there. But I It is nodding sagely here. As, as, I was, <laughs> as I was nibbling my um, date and almond ball, I did ask Lizzie, could we please use this on the podcast? And she was absolutely chuffed and she listened. So I just want to send a cheerio to my three mates who I played golf with last Thursday. I had the most wonderful day. So that is Lizzie's date and almond ball. They sound carrot. delicious. So you sort of snack on it in the afternoon when you're feeling Terrific. a bit low in sugar. Yeah, exactly. And, and I just think to put one in the kids' lunchboxes is a a special treat or something absolutely perfect. Um, that was BSF. Cara's given the thumbs up to the book. She's given the thumbs down to her screen, and I'm giving double thumbs up, despite Eddie, um, to Liz's date and almond balls. Is that the beautiful Liz, sir? It might be. I travelled through <laughs> India with Liz. I know you knew I her, didn't... but I wasn't sure whether she wanted her name mentioned. Oh, well, she's, but anyway, she's a master. She's cook. been outed as a brilliant cook. Thank That's you, Red fine. Energy, for bringing us BSF. Eleven uh, most satisfied customers, eleven years in a row. Isn't it time you called Red Energy on one three one? Eight zero six. I would say, Corrie, that it must be 12 years in a row now. Oh, sorry, 12. I did say 12 earlier. I know we've got to update the script. God, Carol, you and I probably hit me here in 10, go, 27 years in a row. Well, I hope so. I well, hope so. We'll be I in our 80s. We'll I hope so for Red Energy's sake too. <laughs> Corrie, that's enough cheeriness because you're also grumpy this week. I am grumpy, Carol. I was utterly perplexed to read yesterday that Nine Entertainment a company who you work for, of course, in a couple of different guises, is already working on a miniseries on the life of Shane Warne. Did you know this? No. Okay. But uh, why, why is that bad? Well, just go with me. Uh, it's not It's not bad, but I was a bit grumpy, okay? I mean, people can do whatever they want. I'm not going to tell nine how they, how they run their, their business. But it said in your paper in The Age yesterday... It, or maybe it was today, um, the early stages of signing with a production company for a mini-series that will explore the colourful life and career of the late spin bowler who died earlier this month from a heart attack age 52. Nine's head of drama, Andy Ryan, said the network wanted to show the public what made Warren special. Well, I reckon also they're going to put a bit of 
stuff in there that might not be so special. And my feeling is, is it just not a, a little bit too early? Should the dust not settle? First of all, grieving families, mourning friends, let's just let that leave that lie. But also you want the distance. History and good docos and good miniseries rely on distance, a healthy distance and a healthy perspective. And I think if something comes out too soon, it lacks perspective. You know, and where and where's the respect and an observation of the family's grief? I mean, if I were the kids and in a year's time I saw let's say Eddie Perfect, for example, playing Shane Warne and he's off having a boozy night and, and sexting or off with Liz Hurley or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever fleets, one of many Fleet Street episodes of Shane Warne's life is recorded. I don't think I really want to see that within 12 months. Well, first of all, I mean, Shane Warne himself loved Eddie Perfect's musical about himself. Oh, I'm not saying Eddie would be great. I'm not knocking it. And I don't even know whether Eddie's got the gig. I'm just saying. No, I, I think, first of all, it's only just gone into production. I, I, I get your point about perspective. I think you make a very good point. But it's not like, you know, John F. Kennedy, where all this stuff only came out later. I mean, Shane Warne was an open book. His family know everything there is to know. and Still I'm, doesn't make it right, I don't think. I reckon if Channel 9 are making it, it will ultimately be an incredibly affectionate portrayal because ultimately that was Shane Warne's life, wasn't it? It was regarded and seen in the perspective very much even before he died of champion cricketer, champion bloke, the foibles were so famous and had all been dealt with and had been laid bare. But I, you know what's going to happen, Caro? They'll go around, whoever's writing this, the script will do their research and they'll, they'll go around to all the usual suspects asking, tell us about Shane Warne, tell us about your memories, all that. Of course, everybody is glowing now because it, all of Melbourne, all of Australia is mourning. And so you do say positive things. Oh, he was a character. That's probably as far as people will go. In five years' time, they might have a, a better perspective and a bit more to say, which makes the the miniseries all the more rich and fulsome. And uh, look, I, I honestly think you just want to watch it. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I just, I just think he's he's he was an open book. I think he was a bigger open book, a more open book in sport. I cannot remember. Anyway, we agree to disagree. We agree to disagree. Right to be grumpy. Caro, on to six quick questions. Is the ongoing saga about Kimberley Kitching's treatment by Labor hurting Anthony Albanese? Uh, Yes. If it goes on another week, it'll be catastrophic, I think. Just so hard for him to respond to, isn't it, out of respect to the family and... And you know, I mean, he's he's made the point that what he, know, what he has to do. He's Richard, made the point that it wasn't his issue; it was a factional what issue. What he and but. Richard Miles have to do immediately is they have to address this issue. That uh, I hate this term, the mean girls, and I'm really agitated that it came out. It was Kimberly Kitching's words herself when she complained last year of bullying. But they have to address this immediately within the organisation. I don't think they have to have any sort of public inquiry, but Anthony Albanese has to show strong leadership, as does Richard Miles, and jump all over this. I think the bigger issue here is Bill Shorten and what game is he playing here? Because it's quite well known within Labor Party circles that Shorten is not a fan of Anthony Albanese or Richard Miles, and I think there's a little bit of pot stirring, although that's not to take away from Bill Shorten's 
generous and um, affection for Kimberley. Yeah, 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 exactly, and and and, and, and wonderful admiration. friendship that they had. Absolutely right. And his comments, as we said on last week's pod, his comments uh, the day after her death. Well, News were Limited are certainly beautiful. going after him, aren't they? It's on, Carol. It's on. So it'll be interesting to see. But I do think Labor Party get your house in order before you start throwing stones. Carol, the Bendigo Art Gallery's new international exhibition, Elvis, direct from Graceland, opened last week. In fact, Miss Jane told me down the line that she visited this and it's absolutely outstanding, she says. It made me think, what's your favourite Elvis song? Look, with apologies to Kentucky Rain, which is just yeah, such a wonderful song. It changed in the way it changes key, major, oh, minor. I love it. It's so... It's got to be suspicious minds. I mean, that really? is, oh, that is. I must a, say, the D floor goes off when that plays. It is a brilliant song. We can't go on together with suspicious minds. And we can build our dreams on suspicious minds. It is so, and the way he sings it with so much emotion and. He, boy, what a superstar he was. What about you? Favourite film? Oh, I, I cannot go past Viva Las Vegas with <laughs> Anne Margaret. You knew that. I saw that at the Tulip Street drive-in in Sandringham. Um, I, I couldn't remember what... So I looked it up. It was a 1964 film, but I reckon I was about six. So it, maybe it was like a Richard, two years later. Anyway, I didn't see it at the time of release, but I remember going to the drive-in. It was my first drive-in experience virtually, and I thought Anne Margaret was just the queen of screen. I thought she was wonderful. Isn't that a great film? Yeah, I just, I watch them now under the lens of all those years he wasted making all those trashy Hollywood films oh, when know. he should have been performing. Oh, and he was doing five or six a year. It was a yeah, remarkable Colonel bit. Parker's got a lot but, to answer um, for. Caro, do you know what his, his famous last line that he said just before he died of a heart attack? I'm going to the bathroom to read. <laughs> He told his then fiance as he got out of bed. Famous last I just last thought words. I'd share that with you. Now, Carol, what's your favourite autumn bloom? Oh, they're everywhere at the moment. They come out at the end of summer and they bloom through autumn. Crepe myrtles. They are everywhere. If you're in New South Wales, around the Hunter Valley, the colours and the shape, ditto South Australia, anywhere in South Australia, certainly around the Barossa Valley and the hills, around everywhere in Melbourne, the Mornington Peninsula, around Geelong, the colours. But, um, I mean, white is still my favourite. That deep red is incredible. There's a beautiful apricot one that you see a lot in uh, New South Wales and the pale pink. They are the most beautiful trees. I just love them. I agree. They're beautiful. Corrie, which footy moment, and there were plenty. There were plenty. Bumper opening round warmed your heart this week. Well, of course, Sam Mitchell, coach of Hawthorne. Terrific, uh, your, terrific first your tips game. Did a bit better but, than mine, uh, I think. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a bit more um, all inclusive here. On Saturday morning, late morning, I was travelling across Melbourne and went, uh, went up and down Punt Road a couple of times, and it filled my heart with joy to see so many families and so many people heading to the G. Now I know that sounds like a cliche, but we have to remember that for two years we haven't seen this. And the two years has gone remarkably quickly, Caro. It's funny how once you're back in it, you, oh. you think you, you don't even think about the past two years. But there have been times in the past two years when footy fans around Australia have lamented the fact that they haven't been able to be part of a communal activity such as footy brings everybody together. And to see those families and the kids so excited and getting off the tram, and I, I, I 
loved it. So footy's back, Caro. Footy is back in Melbourne. I went to Melbourne. the MCG three times over the weekend. Oh. Well, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. What? I mean, they didn't get their 400000 they hoped for, but good on them for having the target. You know, people will start, to, as tickets become easier, and I hope the MCG makes it easier soon because it's not at the moment if you're an MCC member, but it was, you're right, very, very heartwarming and it was just such a great feeling. Yeah, the and, footy didn't let us down. And just completely a visual reminder of footy brings all generations, all people of all backgrounds together and wasn't it great. Caro, what's this week's amazing fact? Well, it's Elvis-related, and I know it's well-known. It's not like I'm revealing anything, but when I read it now, it it still astounds me. Priscilla was 14 when she started dating Elvis um, when he was in Germany serving in the army, and her parents allowed it. Her parents sort of went and went Christmas shopping and birthday shopping with Priscilla to buy presents for Elvis. Well, those young children, those the parents of those young children he was who went off with, with Michael Jackson, they also allowed it. There's something about the star. People want to be connected with the star. What were think? the Bolos? Is that how you pronounce it? Be it Beaulieu, however, Beaulieu, Beaulieu, isn't Beaulieu. it? What were they thinking? She was fourteen. I mean, I look back to my kids when they were fourteen. It just is. But it was Elvis. It, oh God, Corey! <laughs> that is not the way you th- should be thinking, Corey. Anyway, it still stuns me every time I read it. There we are. That's okay. my amazing fact for On this week. On that amazing fact, the Queen of Football, the Queen of Melbourne Journalism, the Lifetime Achievement Award winner, Caroline Wilson, ends with such an interesting fact as that. And um, for, <laughs> for more nonsense, you know, for more nonsense. We it's have not a, nonsense. Can, well, I just, can I just point out to you? It's Connie's irresponsible parenting, Corrie, messi- of the highest order. Messengers, we were forgotten on Friday night in Caro's speech. Can I just say this? This is a brickbat to you, Caro Wilson. You mentioned all of your many media commitments and you said podcast, but you didn't say the name. Don't shoot the messenger. Now, we Mike could have, Sheehan gave it some nice messages. There were 500 too. people there who could have locked on and become followers of it. What's this podcast called? Don't shoot the messenger. Nah, wasted opportunity. So Corey, everybody out there, we need your help. Tell your friends because we have to, we have to, um, we want to rise up the charts this year, the Apple Podcast charts, Caro. Well, you no spoke so beautifully, you. and if you want to Don't get try and get out of it, if by you want to get me. involved in our show notes and have a look, there's going to be a link to Corrie's lovely words, Mike Sheehan's lovely words. Don't you can have don't, a look at it all on don't, the Don't Shoot the Messenger show notes, Corrie. Don't try and warm me up, Caro. But like, as you usual, like everybody in football will say, oh, she makes you feel so loved when she's actually, you know, being subversive or she's in trouble. You're in trouble. (laughs) No, I think it was that I... I, You were overwhelmed. I'm uh, just going uh, to uh. say that. (laughs) Now, Caro, uh, great episode. Thank you. And don't forget, everybody, to listen to our bonus episode, Dear Caro and Corrie, where we solve your life problems. Uh, Thank you very much to Eddie for standing in today. You have been great. Thank you, Miss Jane, who's down the line overseeing that we... No date and almond balls for Eddie. (laughs) (laughs) And more for us. Thank you, of course, Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. And, of course, thank you to our friends at Prince Wine Store, and thanks again, Miles, for coming in today. Um, our live event, Thursday, May the 5th at 5.30. Be there or be square. And don't forget to join our little community via Instagram, Don't Shoot Pod uh, is the handle there. And, of course, Facebook and we tweet. And you can receive our show notes each week in your inbox if you just hit the sign-up button on Facebook or contact Jane or any of us at feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. 
And Caro, do you remember the name of our podcast? Would you like to mention it now? Don't shoot the messenger. This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. Isn't it time you called Red Energy on 131 806? And Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world.